Hello, hello, and welcome to the Climate Action Homes podcast. My name is Joan Gregerson, and I am a real estate agent with Your Castle Realty in Denver, Colorado. And in this podcast, I want to introduce you to Climate Action Homes, which is the focus of my business, as well as this podcast. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, if you want to follow along in the future, you can find these these videos on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter um, under Climate Action Homes. And um, yeah, I just want to do a, kind of a quick introduction to to let you know what what all this is about. And the quick, I thought I'd give you a quick intro first, and then I'll go into a little bit more of my background, um, and that way you could decide how much of this you want to stick around for. Um, so the the whole idea of Climate Action Homes is that we are in a point in human history where if we do not make some real significant transformations in our lives, in our communities, in the ways we deal with nature and with each other um, and our businesses and our homes, that the kind of future that our kids and grandkids will have will be very much degraded, um, as is is already the case compared to when I was a kid. And I'm not okay with that. So I am here to help you do all the standard real estate stuff like buying, selling, and investing, but also using that opportunity to to give you a window in time, to, to use that window in time to make a, a significant positive impact in reducing your carbon footprint and figuring out ways to live more local and more in align with your values. So that's what Climate Action Homes is about. If you're interested, you want to work with me, then reach out. You can just text me at 720-224-7020. Okay. So now with that, um, the, the first thing that I wanted to do before we get too far is let you know of some of the episodes of the podcast that are already available. Episode one is the daycare with Erie in Erie, Colorado with Stacy Gustafson. Um, episode two was uh, David Takahashi of Decarbonizing Your Home. Episode three with Linnea Bjorkman on food gardening and permaculture. And the, the next episode will be with Dara Herman, and they will be talking about solar, all things solar, whether it's for your home or you want to know about low-income programs. Um, and then we also have more sessions on the way. So, um, so that's what's going on with the podcast. I hope that you will tune in. We'll be doing that weekly. And the other cool thing we'll be adding is after we do the first 30 minute or so podcast that's a live um, session, then we'll have a, a Zoom meeting where you can hop on, ask your questions, talk to each other. And the whole idea is that we're building a community so that if you want to do something around reducing your waste or going to an all electric net zero carbon footprint, that, that we're building these kinds of relationships and people that you can be reaching out to um, because that's what it's all about is, is that kind of community. 
Okay, so we've got all that done. Um, now what I want to do is just kind of give you a quick background. I'm not sure how quick it's going to be um, into how I got into doing this. So um, just recap, my name's Joan Gregerson. I was born in Denver, Colorado in 1960, and I lived in Congress Park and a house there. It was myself and my seven siblings and my mom and dad. And, um, you know, from a very young age, like by the time I was 10 years old, I was seeing the brown cloud pollution. And that was what I wrote my first poem about was about the brown cloud, the first poem that got published um, in the Denver Post. And so I've been thinking about the environment and nature from a very young age. And I realized, too, that growing up in Colorado, we have a lot of opportunities to interact with nature. And so we're lucky to have that kind of connection. Um, I went into my, my dad was a petroleum engineer. So I, at age 10, I started plotting oil and gas production data and realized very quickly that after you plant, plot the, the first amount of data, you draw it out, you extrapolate it, it always goes to zero. And on the fourth or fifth graph, I was like, dad, I didn't understand the word finite, but I understood that that oil, the, the fossil fuels we're using to run our cars and heat our homes was finite. And I was saying, what are you guys doing? And, you know, so I'm 10 years old. This is 1970. And he said, I'm talking to people about this. And so I was like, great. The adults have it under control. There's no way I could have imagined that we would be here now in the year 2022 and that taking care of the environment would somehow seem like a luxury, like something we'll just get around to when we have time. You know, like painting the bathroom ceiling. Like, okay, we do it, we don't do it, it's no big deal. No, this is the very foundation of life. And I think that's, that's kind of a big thing that I bring to this, is that now at age 61, I see the cost of, of postponing of thinking, well, we don't need to do this now. We can do it sometime later. No, now is the time to do it. Um, I, I think one of the things I think a lot about is the difference in the world that the kids born now. Did you know that in 1970, the wildlife population compared to um, 2010, that the, the population of Mammals, birds, amphibians, and reptiles is now 40% on average compared to what it was in 1970 when I was 10 years old. So again, like that, I'm not okay with that kind of a world that we would be giving and that it would be getting just worse and worse. Um, and so my my whole goal is to to explore, turn over every stone and let's figure this thing out. Um, so I don't mind spending that extra time to figure out you want to go figure out a net zero home. You want to do permaculture. Let's find the people. Let's figure that out for you. So continuing along with my story. Uh, so in 1978, I graduated from high school. Um, and that was the same year that Jimmy Carter visited Colorado and opened, helped commemorate the opening of the Solar Energy Research Institute. Um, and I thought, well, this is great. Again, like the adults have it under control. 
I wanted to be part of that solution. And so I went into engineering. When I got out, I started working in the field of building energy efficiency. Solar wasn't really cost effective at that point. Um, uh, at least the active solar, solar panels that we're seeing now. So I spent a lot of time working on building energy efficiency and doing building energy modeling and helping architects make those decisions of, you know, if I have a few thousand extra dollars, should I put it into the windows or into a more efficient furnace or air conditioner? And what about the orientation of the, the home? And so I was really fortunate to be able to to be deep into those details and getting a, a grounding of where energy gets used in a home and what things really matter and what are kind of peripheral. Um, along the way, our company also was working on the, the first Colorado home energy rating system. So this was back in about 1988. And again, like right now when I'm looking at homes, very rarely does anybody ask about energy efficiency. And, you know, this is something that I was working on 30 years ago to make it super easy for people to understand what is that energy impact when you're choosing between homes. So that's one of the topics that we'll be looking at is what are all these different home energy rating systems? What's a HERS number? What's ResNet? What's Energy Star and LEED? And what do those things even mean and how can you navigate all of that? So I'll be helping you uh, figure all that out and I'll be relearning all that stuff as well. Um, and as we go through those processes where we're interviewing um, home energy raters and, and builders, we'll really get some insights into what's available right now um, and, and really give you those options so that you feel, I think one of the main things I really care about is that people feel empowered to be part of the solution. There's nothing worse than hearing, oh, climate change is a huge issue. People caused it and there's nothing that we can do. Like, of course, people would shut down when, when you hear that kind of message. So that's not what I'm about. What I'm about is there are things that we can do. And when we do them together, we can move faster. We can learn from each other, transform not only ourselves, our buildings, but our communities and our, our governments and our world. Um, so that's that's kind of the bold direction that I want to go with all of this and hope that you will be part of the journey as well. So as I, as I started doing a lot of this work, um, I found that there were limitations to the engineering approach. When let's say that we went into a school district, we did a bunch of energy efficiency upgrades, water conservation upgrades, and then we left. And then later a report was written to say what the savings were. A lot of times the savings that we expected were not there. And that was really disheartening. And over time I realized that part of the problem was that the engineering approach is that you ignore the people because they don't really fit in the equations, right? You know, you just want simple equations that you can run the math and order the equipment and get it installed and get in and get out. Um, but 
as I started seeing, wow, you know, we're not changing the culture of the school and that is creating some of these problems that, that is, uh, or, or like maybe we didn't understand in the first place what people really needed and what really mattered to them. So that was a big realization. I started wondering what was going on. And then along the way in, in uh, 2014, I started an environmental nonprofit group called Sustainable Revolution Longmont. It is still going to this day as Sustainable Resilient Longmont. And it was a really fun experience because we we did things like planning an Earth Day festival. We planned an Earth Day festival that had a thousand people and 70 booths. 35 of them were youth groups and the other 35 nonprofits. We had the mayor and city council and having <laughs> going from engineering to then being more of like event planners and walking in parades and doing all this stuff that was really fun. Um, but I, I had no idea that really what community organizing was or what it meant. And I now know that when people get together and start sharing their ideas and bringing a cohesive message to the people that hold the, the purse strings or that make the decisions, that that's how change happens. And, and that it's our responsibility because, you know, city government works for us. We're their boss. They're not our boss. But if it's like, if you get a puppy and you don't train the puppy and it does whatever in your house, it's not really the puppy's fault, right? It's your fault for not, it's our fault for not training the puppy. Yes, I did just equate city government as a puppy, but, um, so, so this is what I started seeing was that when a community gets together and starts talking about the things that they care about that are often not talked about, you know, people are always saying, well, don't raise taxes and, um, you know, we don't want costs to go up and that's too expensive. And so it takes a different kind of voice to come forward and say, well, actually, you know, we do care about composting. We do want curbside composting. We're willing to pay a little bit more. Um, and here's why. Here's the value that that something like composting brings to our world and and how it is a climate action and and how it diverts waste from landfills, reduces methane, you know, has all these beautiful properties, brings people in closer connection with nature like that is our responsibility to learn about those things and to articulate them in a cohesive way so that our our schools our neighborhoods our cities our everything our faith communities start thinking about things in a different way and behaving a different way our companies um and so so here I was, I, I had started that nonprofit in Longmont. I moved back to Denver and moved into the neighborhood where where I had grown up, which is Congress Park. And I started seeing, wow, a lot of people are still using a ton of water on their lawns. And I can remember back in like 1970 when Denver Water coined the term Xeriscape as Xeric landscaping so a way to landscape 
We're using very low water because Denver is a high mountain desert. But you might not know it when you look around at all the lawns that we have. And, you know, the kinds of decisions that are being made, like should we build reservoirs or should we conserve water or what's the balance? It really points to that we as the people using water have a big impact in in how those things go. But if if we just stay with only one person doing it, it's not enough. So we need to figure out what those best practices are, do them ourselves, get together, help each other figure them out, and then bring that information to our communities, to our schools, to our neighborhoods, to our businesses. This is a theme, right? Um, and so along the way, I ended up starting, so I started the Congress Park Green Team. Um, and then later I started Dean Team Academy because I realized that when people get together, they have a lot more power. And it also, is, it's just way more fun than than struggling, trying to memorize all these recycling rules and feeling guilt and shame. When you get together, you're able to really have a bigger impact and make things happen fast. So in, um, let's see, in 2020, I released a book called Climate Action Challenge, a proven plan for launching your eco initiative in 90 days. And so we went ahead and Green Team Academy, we hosted the 2020 International Climate Action Challenge. We had 86 teams from 22 countries that that took um, part in that. And by the end of those 90 days, our challengers had planted 43,000 trees and started urban farms and gardens and done trash cleanups and all kinds of things, which was cool because it's, there's so many things where it's just talking, right? Not really much happens. And people are just having meetings and, you know, putting out reports. But this was a group of people actually making things happen around the world. So we did it again in 2021. And that time we had 75 teams from 28 countries, total of 275 challengers. And they planted a total of 150,000 trees started 130 gardens, three urban farms, removed 48 tons of debris from, from waterways around the world, all kinds of amazing stuff. Um, and I recently just stepped down as director. So Green Team Academy is moving forward with our new director, which is Jen DeMeo. Um, and there's all kinds of folks that are, are part of that movement that is going to continue on. Um, but the cool thing is that 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 frees me up to to move in a little bit different direction. I'm a grandma now, so one day a week I go babysit my granddaughter who is now um, three and a half months old, and I have this opportunity to to operate on a different level. I get to reach out individually to people and see what's going on and let them know that I'm doing real estate now. And, and I also want to be that person that people can talk to about their, you know, whether you call it climate anxiety, or if they're concerned about air pollution or, or affordability. And so the main, the three main peers or pillars of this climate action homes work that I'm doing 
is people, planet, and prosperity. I really believe that, you know, it's it's about you as a person. What is it that you, why do you want a home? Where do you want it to be? What is your, what do you do in your home? And so that's the people part. And then the planet, like we just, we can't ignore that and have things work out okay. So let's figure out how in this process to make a positive impact on as many levels as possible. And then prosperity. You know, there has been this huge concentration of wealth um, that has occurred more and more over the past few decades. So I want that my work helps people get into a home and find an affordable option. Um, And so that's the other area that I'm going to be covering is a lot of different tips for how to do that from different house hacking strategies to investing and affordable housing options. Um, But it's really, I think those three things have to go together, people, planet, and prosperity. All right. So that's me. That's the Climate Action Homes podcast and my business um, working now as a realtor, um, as a real estate broker with Your Castle Realty in Denver. And the reason I picked Your Castle is because it is an independent uh, brokerage here in Colorado. It's the largest one. There's 750 agents. Um, and so it's it's big enough that they've got a ton of training and I've got mentors and and processes and pretty much everything that I need and that you would need to work with me. Um, but it's also not so huge that I feel lost. I know the people in our office and that's a really good feeling to have that, that kind of community that is so important to me. All right. So with that, I'm going to sign off. If you, as I said, if you're interested in just having a conversation, you've been wanting to get into a home you've been wanting to sell or find out about investing or how much your house is worth or what you would need to do to be able to buy a house in a year, any of those questions, I would love to talk with you. Um, And so please reach out. You can just text me at 720-224-7020 or message me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, but thank you so much for joining me and I am excited going forward and hope to see you on future podcasts and in our, in our networking meetings that will be following up, um, after each week's, um, podcast. All right. Thank you so much. And I look forward to hearing from you soon. Okay. Bye.